Oh, wait a second. Someone's texting me. Easy question. Okay, someone's texting me that. Okay, I'll ignore that. Great, now someone's calling me. Okay. I normally put this on um, airplane mode. Ah! Oh, what's that? Oh, it's an otter. <laughs> Otters are so cute. Wait a sec. Uh, just one minute. Where are my kids? Cameron slept over at a friend's place last night. I think he's in the building. Let me just text him. Just one sec, okay? Hey, how was your sleep over? I'm sorry, just one moment. This is important. I was at a thing yesterday, and someone shared, hey, teenagers, get off your phone and enjoy life. Um, I don't think it's a teenager problem. I see more people my age very, very distracted. I don't know about you, um, but life feels very distracting. How many of you would say, honestly, you are easily distracted? No harm in admitting that. In fact, modern research shows that the human species has an attention span of approximately eight seconds. After about eight seconds, the average human being becomes bored and starts to think of something else, which makes me as a preacher feel awesome, knowing that I preach for about 40 minutes. If I divide that by eight seconds, wow. It's a discipline to stay focused. Have you noticed that? How many of you, when you've tried to pray and you have this deep heart to commit and to meet with God, and you sit down with your Bible open or your journal open, you sit in that special quiet spot, and you start meeting with God, and then suddenly, did I pay that bill? When's that doctor's appointment? When is, what should, what about, we are so easily distracted. Again, a lot of people, you know, some people will hear eight seconds, that's crazy. I'm like 15. (laughs) It takes discipline to break that. And the research is hilarious when it says the average human being's attention span is eight seconds. The average goldfish is nine. (laughs) They're a little bit more focused. Don't get eaten and find something to eat. Their life is pretty simple. Don't get eaten, find something to eat. Whereas us, we are bombarded with so many different things. And we know, if you would say that you're a follower of Jesus, we, we use language like we, we want to put God first in our life. And we believe that. We believe that in our heads, but if we were to sit there and wrestle with it, we'd sit there and go, but I don't know how to actually do that. All these different things that we say, we hear sermons on it, we read the Bible about it, about putting God first in our life. But the average Christian, if you would evaluate my life, evaluate your life, we'd have to be honest and say, I have a lot of distractions. There are many ways I do not put God first 
in my life. Just this past week, I was down in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in the Music City, USA. Went and visited a mega church in Nashville, Tennessee. Whoo, the mega church in Nashville, Tennessee is awesome. You're in Music City, USA, where basically you come out, like you're born and you start playing guitar. That's pretty much, I guess, how it works in Nashville. But the music level quality of, of the worship was just like mind-blowing. I'm on, I'm on the ground, like just sobbing. It's so good. Right? And the preacher there kind of talked, and it was funny that he was talking about this because it's the exact same theme I'm starting this week. And he, and he taught on the words of Jesus from Matthew chapter 5, verse 40, uh, 48, where the pastor said, Jesus taught Christians to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Do you feel perfect? Show of hands if you're perfect. We're distracted. We're busy. We're overwhelmed. I'm tired. I don't know why. I, I was gardening yesterday. I thought I was in shape. Every part of my, this hurt. I can't put my arm back down. It's kind of stuck here for the rest of the service. Okay. What is it? Like we're just tired. We're weary. We're worn out. We're overrun. We're burdened. And we want to put God first. God calls, Jesus calls us to be perfect as our father is perfect. We live in that tension. So this series that I want us to do, this series called Distracted putting God first in our lives, I want it to be very practical. Because the reality is the problem is not information. You already know what to do. You do. I already know what to do to draw closer to God. The problem is we're distracted. The problem isn't knowledge. The problem is action. So I'd encourage you, if you're not in a life group, join one before they shut down for the summer. Give it a shot for a few weeks. You can go online. You can contact the church office. We will find a group for you to join. Just try it for the next five weeks before the summer break. Because we're going to get very, very practical talking about these things, looking at what the Bible teaches us so that we can, you know, live out this life of drawing close to God. So today I want to start on this theme of being perfect, like our Father in heaven is perfect. But instead of using the word perfect that Jesus uses, I want to kind of go back to the Old Testament and go back to and go to the Apostle Peter's teaching on this exact same theme. And I'm going to use the word holy. Today I want to talk about the call that you have as a follower of Jesus to be holy. So if you have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open up to 1 Peter. It's right near the end. If you're not familiar with the Bible or if you don't own a Bible, there's one in the chair in front of you. You can grab it, go to the very back of the book. You'll see something called Revelation. Then you go to Jude. Then you got into John. And then you're into the letters of Peter there. Real easy to find. If you're here today and don't own a Bible, the one in the chair is our gift to you today. Please take it, put your name in it, bring it home. And if you're watching us online and you do not own a Bible, email me and I will send you one because I believe everyone should own a Bible. Kevin at greenbelt.church. Email me and we'll send you one. 
Bibles. Somehow my Bible got blurry. Oh, a miracle. I've been healed. First Peter chapter 1. I want to start reading here in verse 13. This is Peter the Apostle. This is the guy, again, if you're not familiar with the Bible, this is the guy who walked on water, took three steps, began to sink. This is the guy who denied Jesus three times on the night when Jesus was arrested. And this is the guy that Jesus said, on you, I'm going to build my church. And then the Holy Spirit came on Peter. Peter went out into the streets, preached a sermon. Thousands of people became Christians through the preaching of Peter. And so Peter writes this letter to the church, and he writes here, starting in chapter 1, verse 13. He says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. How many of you have already started thinking about your day? How many of you have already started thinking, how long did he say he preaches for? 40 minutes? That's not true. It's usually closer to 50. I time him. With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. And so since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as gold or silver, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so you set your faith and your hope in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Peter gives a whole lot of theology and a whole lot of action in this short few verses here. And that's one of the things I love about so much of the writing of the Bible. It's about theology, but it, and theology is simply a fancy word that means the study of God and how he interacts with humanity. That's what theology means, the study of God and how he interacts with humanity. Gives all of us this rich theology... And then, do something with it. 
again and again and again and again and again all throughout your Bible. That's the way the writers write. That's the way the Holy Spirit has spoken. That develop your sound doctrine, develop your theology, now go and do something with it. Sound doctrine, good theology should change how we live, not simply how we think. That's why our mission as a church is to lead people in knowing, living, and sharing Jesus. All of us as Christians are called to all three. And so this is what Peter is doing here, and I think he gives us this great action step that you and I can take in the pursuit of holiness. And so I'd encourage you, if you're taking notes, write, this, uh, write these points down that we're going to talk about. But the big idea that I want to unpack today is this. If you want to experience freedom from distractions, if you want to experience freedom from distractions in pursuing God, you want to draw closer to God, be less distraction, it starts with choosing holiness. Freedom from distraction starts with choosing holiness. Now, let's just make sure we're all talking about the same thing. When I say holy, I understand that's a little bit of a loaded word. Because culturally, in the times that we live in, the church in her history has kind of treated people like we are holy and you are not. And we didn't really handle that really well. doesn't take an expert. You don't need a big degree in church history to realize the way we have treated people outside of the church has not always aligned with the mission of Jesus. So we have people today, when you hear the term holy, right away the shoulders go up. Maybe some of you were raised in a very strict kind of Christian upbringing. A lot of rules, a lot of regulation, because you better be holy or we'll smack it into you. (laughs) Be holy, be righteous, be perfect. Strive, 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 perform, perform, perform. And we sit there and we go, ugh, this holiness, this self-righteousness, that's the way we think of it. But when you study the word, and this is why I want to make sure that we have a grasp and understanding of what Peter is talking about here, is the Greek term for holy that Peter uses is the word hagios. Hagios. And it's a biblical term in the New Testament. There's also similar words in the Old Testament. But it literally means to be set apart. Usually when the word hagios is used, it's either talking about people certain people, or it's even talking about certain objects. That certain people or certain objects have been set apart. Not because they're special, but they are set apart to do something, to accomplish something special for God. You think of the Old Testament when they were building the temple. They built all of these tools and all these instruments so that they could do their sacrificial services. Ooh, my lisp got through that one. I'm happy about that. Sacrificial service. Don't try again. You got through it. Okay. These objects were set apart. You didn't use them 
ah, we have dinner tonight. Let's just grab the, you know, the knife that we use to cut the fat off of the sacrifice and we'll use that for dinner. No, it's holy. It's meant for something special. Just like in the Old Testament times, the Levites, the priests, they were men who were set apart. They were one of the tribes of Israel who had a special function to do for God. They weren't better than anyone else. They weren't better than any tribe. But they were set apart. They're meant to be set apart. And what's fascinating is when we use the term holy in describing God himself, it really is a perfect word to describe God. Because God is completely different. He is completely set apart from everything else in all of creation. And so if you want freedom from distraction, if you want to put God first in your life, it starts with choosing holiness. I firmly believe, and I think this is what Peter is getting at, and we'll unpack this, but you and I are given a choice. We are given a choice, and we can choose to pursue holiness or not. And it's the choice that every single human being has to make. We choose to be set apart. I believe that God created you. I don't believe you are an accident. I don't believe you evolved from monkeys. I don't believe there was a pond of scum that got hit by lightning bolt and you come from that. I believe you were created by a God who loves you to accomplish his will and his, perf- and, and his plan in the world. I believe Jesus is the son of God, that he came to deal with sin because you and I in our sinfulness could not deal with it. We couldn't be religious enough. We couldn't keep enough rules to please a holy, set-apart God. I believe Jesus died for you. I believe when you accept that gift, that the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, comes into you. That's what Jesus called being born again. You become a new creation. Our dead hearts of sin become alive to the things of God. And I think all of those things happened. God created you for a purpose. Jesus died for you. He sent the Holy Spirit to make you born again. God didn't do those three things so we could live a life of distraction. God didn't do those three things so we could be more concerned with the latest season of our favorite show on Netflix or how did the Big Bang Theory end. It was really good. I cried. But God set you apart as a follower of Jesus so that you would look different than everyone else around you. So that you would do things that are different than everyone else around you. And not because you're perfect, but because God is perfect. Right? This is the challenge of holiness, right? This choice of holiness. Theologically, as you study God, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, you are perfectly holy spiritually. 
You are a saint. You are a righteous. You are adopted into the family of God. There's nothing that you could do to earn that. There's nothing you can do to lose that. God sees you as perfect, perfect, and holy. Spiritually, you're already there. Physically, and eh, not so much. <laughs> We're still working that out. <laughs> We're still working that out. <laughs> and so this idea of be perfect or be holy it's an action word. Be is an action word. It's more than just, oh, I'm holy. I can do what I want. It's like, no, you're holy spiritually. Now, be it. Live it out in your life. So three things that I find from the text here where Peter calls us to this action. I encourage you, write these things down. Because I guarantee you will forget them. How do I know you're going to forget them? Because you already forgot what my big idea is. And how do I know you forgot that? Because I did. Freedom from distraction starts with choosing holiness. I was literally going, did I turn my phone off? Because I really don't want it to ring again. This is what's on my mind. Like a goldfish. Okay. Three things from Peter to take action. The first is this. Set your mind on holiness. If you want to pursue holiness, if you want freedom from distraction, you want to choose holiness, it starts up here. Set your mind on holiness. Look at verses 13 and 14. It says He starts, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus is revealed in his coming. He's talking about the second coming of Jesus, the return of Jesus. Set your hope on that. Set your hope on that. And then he continues, goes, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had. Right? So he's talking about this, set your mind on holiness. When I think of my life, and I think of the times when God felt, diff, uh, felt far away, <laughs> when God doesn't feel close, when my prayer life feels flat when i actually evaluate my life my brain is all over the place it's god usually feels far and distant when i'm tired when i'm overwhelmed when i'm overworked when i'm not taking sabbath when i'm not exercising when i'm not eating well when i'm doing everything that i know my mind says i should be doing and i don't do it and suddenly god starts to feel far when I find myself juggling so many balls in the air, I'm not a very good juggler. I'm actually really good with one. I can handle that. Two I can handle only because I got two hands. Three, I'm dropping something. Four, yeah, good luck. Five, yeah, just call a medic. It's not happening, right? But when we set our mind on holiness, God shows up in that, right? And this is a biblical principle you can see all over the place. The New Testament talks about it. Take your thoughts captive. Take your thoughts captive. Use your head. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your strength, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. So much of this starts in our head a lot of us we are our worst enemy 
because of the thoughts that we allow into our minds when it comes to our relationship with God. So we need to be mindful. We need to be alert. We need to be sober. We have to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. We have to remember that we are saved from our sins, not because we're good Christian people, but because God is good and he died for us. We have to remember that Jesus will one day come again to set up his eternal kingdom. We reflect on these things. See, because our minds, the Bible teaches us, is our minds are deceitful. And this is what the text here talks about here in verse 14, where it talks about, do not conform to the evil desires that you had. You see, our mind, the default in our distraction, most of our distractions, if we're honest, are pretty self-centered, are pretty selfish. I'm greedy. I want more time to myself. I want more money. I want more TV time. I want more hobby time. I wish my husband would do what I ask him to do. I wish my wife would stop nagging me. I wish the kids would listen. I wish my boss would get off my back. Me, me, me. We're defensive. Well, uh, why is it always my fault? Maybe it's your fault. We're judgmental. Man, I'm I'm this close to turning off social media. Oh, my goodness. It's toxic how judgmental we are becoming. And there's my phone beeping. Squirrel, stop beeping. We have to set our minds. We have to set our minds. It starts up here. And this is the first thing I do. Whenever I start feeling like God is far, whenever I feel like prayer is flat, the first thing I ask myself is, what's going on in my head? Where's my head at? Oh, yeah, I'm not making this a priority. Oh, yeah, my morning devotion? Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. Oh, yeah, my morning prayer time? Yeah, I ticked the little green box in my version app. Eh. But did it actually go from here to here? Probably not. <laughs> did it even stay here? No, because something else popped up on social media and I got distracted in it. Right? We have to set our minds on holiness. The second thing that Paul tells us to do, uh, sorry, not Paul, Peter, tells us to do is in verse 18 says to seek a life of holiness right here in verse 18 he goes for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from an empty way of life handed down from your ancestors i love that term an empty way of life (laughs) again this is a passage that peter is writing to the church he's writing this to christians he's saying Before you knew Jesus, you were handed down a life. You were handed down a plan that is empty. So that just by that language shows that there's a contrast between an empty life and a full life. And you and I have the choice to seek a life that is full instead of a life That is empty. And what's fascinating, what Peter uses in the analogy here to talk about the empty life, he talks about silver and gold. And he calls them perishable. Now, if you know anything about silver and gold, we know silver and gold are not perishable. But perishable means, think for a moment of a bowl of fruit. Have any of you had a bowl of fruit that you bought And you're so excited to eat this fresh fruit. 
and you forgot about it? And what does that fruit look like after a few days? It's nasty. It's disgusting. We bought blackberries on sale the other day, and now I know why they were on sale. 20 hours later, they were disgusting. I still ate them because <laughs> I'm cheap. I put them in the blender in a mix. The, you know, the, the, the fuzz in there is a little, it's good. It's like, you know, it's like penicillin. It keeps you healthy. <laughs> okay? But we choose. So he's using the analogy of silver and gold is just like rotting fruit. And how much of our lives are spent in the pursuit of silver and gold, of stuff and of things and of materialism? And Peter says all of that is perishable. It's not going to last. It leads to an empty life. So we have to choose to seek a life that's bigger than that. I guess about 12 years ago, I went to a funeral of uh, my pastor's wife passed away. I was attending a church in Montreal. Um, She got really sick, and it was really bad. It was really ugly. And and, and if you would have known her, she was the sweetest lady and the nicest lady, and nothing special about her. She was just really nice and really sweet. And she took Danielle, my wife, under her wing when we were brand-new Christians and kind of mentored her and guided her in, in what it meant to be a Christian leader. And when she died, we went to her funeral, and the church we were attending had an auditorium that sat 800. There were people standing outside who couldn't get in. There must have been a, if there wasn't 2,000 people there, there wasn't one. And I sat there and I looked at that, and I don't know if this is selfish to wish this, but it's what I prayed. I prayed, God, use my life to have that kind of an impact to change that many people's lives for the glory of Jesus, that I would sacrifice my wants, my desires, my plans, my silver, my gold, to see more and more and more people built up in their faith and more and more and more people enter into the gates of heaven because they know Jesus. God, I want that. (laughs) That's what I want to see at my funeral. (laughs) And in those times of distraction, (laughs) when I forget to seek that kind of life, (laughs) I'm reminded of what one of my seminary professors told me. Dr. David Barker told me, he goes, Kevin, I've had so many times when I've wanted to just quit and walk away and think of myself. And he looks over his shoulder and he looks at all the people behind him. He goes, for their sake, I won't. That's a life of seeking holiness. For their sake, for your sake, I won't stop. I'll always pursue Not for my blessing, not for my benefit. Who cares? It's perishable. But for you, seek a life of holiness. And then the last point, so quickly, this one is real fast. Crave it. Crave to grow in holiness. I love the analogy that Peter uses here to talk about craving holiness. He uses the picture of a baby. In in chapter 2, verse 2, he says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that it may grow you up in your salvation. (laughs) Have you ever seen a hungry baby? How annoying are those? (laughs) It's like, dude, I just fed you two hours ago. Why are you screaming again? Because it tasted something so sweet and it wants more. 
She can't be satisfied with just eating once a day. She wants it again and again and again because this spiritual milk, this milk from her mother is helping her to grow. And she will fight tooth and nail to get it. And that's the way we need to live out our Christian faith. Crave it. Desire it. Never be bored with the message of Jesus. The Christian faith is not boring. Church is not meant to be boring. We're doing the most important work on the planet. The only thing in the world that will last for eternity is the work the church is doing. Crave to be a part of that. Don't ever settle. And you know what? If we're not fast enough as a church to help you know what your spiritual gifts are and to get you plugged in the life of the church, keep bothering me until we get you plugged into the life of the church. There's 592 people. We miss some. Come after us. Crave it. Crave it. This is what Paul talks about. If you want to deal with the distraction, if you want to draw closer to God, set your mind on holiness. Seek a life of holiness. Crave to grow in holiness. Because freedom from distraction starts with choosing holiness. And I know that can feel really overwhelming. But it's actually really easy. The first is, the first thing you have to ask yourself is, do you, do you know Jesus? And not just know about him, but do you know him? Do you know you're a sinner? Do you know that there is this holy God who is set apart, who is so different that the only way to get to him is through Jesus? Right? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Whoever believes in me shall not perish but have everlasting life. When you believe in that gift that Jesus died on the cross for you, you are made spiritually holy. And then you're invited to be a part of the journey to be holy. And it can start simply, read your Bible. How many times have you heard the pastor say, read your Bible? More than once? Have you ever heard me say that more than once? More than twice? More than ten times? Almost weekly? (laughs) And how many of you forget to do it? It's okay, my hand's up. I forget to do it! (laughs) Read it. Let it change your mind. Get into a group. How many times have we talked about that? How many times have you heard me say join a life group? Once? Twice? Almost weekly? Why? Because we believe it's important. I wouldn't tell you to do something if it was just a waste of your time. Because I want you to experience this life of holiness. Find a way to serve. God has given you a gift and you have a purpose and we need your gift to help other people grow in their faith. The church was never meant for something to be consumed, but it is something of who we are and that we all play a part in. So we can deal with the distractions by just putting our faith in Jesus. Just start getting into his word every day. Just start serving one another out of love. Just finding people that we can do life with. Simple steps, but change so much when we do them. Because God wants you and I to be holy, to be set apart, to accomplish a special purpose that only we can do for God's glory and for our great joy. Let's pray.
Father God, we praise you and we thank you that we can worship in this place. And God, I thank you um, for your word, how it can speak to us and challenge us, and how it builds us up, how it spurs us on, how it <laughs> convicted me this week of the distractions in my life. And for all of us here, God, I pray that um, we would let your spirit work in our lives. Help each and every one of us to set our minds on holiness. Help us to seek a life of holiness. And God, help us to crave that we would grow in holiness. And it's not just for our, it's not for our benefit. It's not so that we can show off to the world, but rather it's so that this world can know about our Father in heaven, can know about the God who died for them, for the God who wants them to have a full an abundant life. So Lord, I pray that that would start with us. As we collect our offerings now, God, I pray that you would use this for your glory and for the work that you are doing. Multiply the generosity of your people to do more than we could ask or imagine. And Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship, I pray that each of us over the course of this series would find freedom from distraction and that even this week it would start by each of us choosing holiness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.